Hey guys, and welcome to the Sand and Snow podcast. Uh, been off for a little bit due to the move, but we're back and we are ready to go. Um, today's subject is might be seen as a little bit controversial, and I have no intention of it being so, but at the same time, if it causes a bit of thought, then fantastic. You know, I have spoken to a lot of people that suffer from this, um, and they get frustrated as well um, with, with the, the misconception of it. And it's something that I've noticed as a parent that I have to be really careful with as well. And so the topic of today is, is, do you have anxiety or are you in fact just anxious? So from doing my cognitive behavioral therapy course and learning how most um, negative thought processes are genuinely learned from a young age, it does beckon the question as to when, when your child's nervous or anxious, as we all feel, does that mean you actually have anxiety or does it mean you are just simply nervous and anxious? Which, and that's absolutely okay to feel that way. Um, for, for example, um, you know, I did performing arts throughout school. And some would say that, you know, it was a way to battle anxiety. Not that I ever really felt I suffered from it, but I used to absolutely brick it Every single time I did a performance, um, you know, you'd get that, that full shakes, the wave of, you know, of nausea and everything else, everything that's associated with having anxiety. But I was just simply nervous. And I think for our children, we've got to be careful with the wording that we use because things can get drummed in and ingrained so very quickly that it can become very easy to misconstrue the feelings that, you know, are actually feeling. It's the same, you know, anything with children, they look to you to figure out what's going on. And if, you know, they're just having a bad day, they're a little bit nervous. My daughter has it quite a bit, um, you know, and, and she has days where, you know, they both say, that, you know, they don't want to go into school. And, you know, rather, rather than, you know, this whole, uh, that, you know, and it's not always the case. This, this is really important to say. But, you know, when people are, um, basically telling them their children that they, they've got anxiety because they're having a bad day or they feel nervous or things like that. Sometimes they just feel nervous. And the way I've found to deal with it is actually just ask them what's going on and not taking that surface answer. Because children aren't sure how to articulate things and what they'll try and do is tell you how they feel based on what they think you want to hear it can be very easy to just take it as face value and then project your own thoughts and feelings on top of them. Now, it's not always easy and you do have to be careful. You cannot kind of dismiss um, their feelings because, you know, or you tell them that you not you don't believe what they're saying. But if you dig a little deeper, what you actually find is there's probably more to it than them just feeling anxious they don't want to go into school. Um, and it's the same thing with adults. Um, you know, I hear it all the time. Someone says, oh, you know, feeling a little bit anxious about, um, which, and that's the key word, you feel anxious, you're not suffering from anxiety, you know, you get into that point where you are turning around and going, oh yeah, I feel a bit anxious about that job interview today, or, you know, you've got a new client that was training with somebody else in my case or something like that, and you do feel that little bit of anxious, you're like, oh, they're going to listen to what I say, they've got all these predisposed thoughts and feelings, you know, that they train in a certain way, and, um, you know, that's not to say that I'm now having an anxiety attack, but it's just, you just feel anxious. 
And I th this is the problem that nowadays, because everything on social media is about mental health. And I love the fact that that is the case because it really makes people start thinking about it. I think what it also causes is people to overthink about it. And when, when you get that, that's where the lines get blurred and it starts getting a little bit muddy in the water because um, it's very easy for somebody to turn on who suffers from anxiety, genuine anxiety, to explain how they feel. And where you felt that once or twice, you must feel, you know, you start feeling that you have it as well. And it's very easy to project that onto yourself and then you actually, you can develop it. Some people do naturally have it. It is learned. We're not overly anxious as children um, because if that was the case, we would never grow, we would never go anywhere. It doesn't go with along with evolutionary theory, so to speak. Um, we are naturally cautious as a species, but we're not overly anxious about everything because it's counterproductive. So it has to be learned somewhere. This anxiety has to come from somewhere, basically. Um, so yeah, it, it's very um, difficult sometimes to differentiate between the two. But I think we've got to stop throwing buzzwords around. It's like be, being low and suffering from depression. If you, if you have actual depression, um, and I... I've felt this in the past. Now, I don't suffer from depression. I have family members that do, and it is a very, very different thing. Being depressed and suffering from depression, because suffering from depression is a chemical imbalance in the brain, as I've said in previous videos. Um, it's, a, it's a dopamine or serotonin deficiency, depending on whether you cannot feel happy or whether you feel no joy in anything. Um, for some people, for, for most of all, bipolar disease is a lack of feeling joy for things. Um, so there's a disruption in the dopamine system, which means that you don't find reward in anything, therefore you don't find the, see the point in doing anything. I, on the other hand, um, it was doing a job that I just didn't enjoy. I'd gone to cover a shift for two hours and just generally felt horrific. I just felt no reward from it at all. And I know exactly what it was. And I did feel depressed. I didn't, I wasn't suffering from depression because I believe the term suffering means long term. I just had a wave where I just thought I don't want to do this anymore. It really got me down. So I removed myself from that situation. Now you could talk to somebody and say, oh, you must have depression. You need to go see a doctor. If we all take a second to analyze, rethink a few things, maybe change the wording that we use, you may find actually that you can navigate yourself around the problem better than just accepting the, the open diagnosis, oh, I've got anxiety, oh, I've got depression. Um, you know, there are people that do, and there's nothing wrong with that. But again, we need to kind of take half a second to actually think whether we do it rather than just following on the bandwagon. I think that another problem is as well with some people, um, to put this delicately, you there are a lot of people that want to be part of something, so they project that they have these issues to get sympathy or, you know, they do it to feel part of a group or to, you know, to make excuses for things. Not in a negative way because most of the time they probably, it, it's kind of a self-manifesting thing. You can very easily um, become what you think you are. But you've got to think it in the first place unless it is technically like a medical condition, in which case obviously it's very different. But to, to want to be part of something and have some recognition, we actually feel special sometimes with a lot of people. You know, mental health is such a minefield. I'm going to do quite a few podcasts on it as, you know, I learn more 
You know, some people just want to be part of a group and sometimes the only way to do that is to say they have something that they don't, but then after a while, because you tell yourself you have it so much, you actually manifest the actual issue that you're pretending to have. And we, you know, society, we're very excluding of people with mental health issues because we don't understand it. Nobody wants to talk about it. The people that have the problem can't talk about it because they don't know how to. And that's obviously the horrible part of having mental health issues is that you actually believe that you're going to be judged before you are judged, which then leads to the withdrawal side of things, which is another thing that we have to kind of um, open up. And I think that's really where I think a safe space should be more of a real space rather than like this whole horrible politically correct term. Oh, you know, we need to make safe spaces for for people. Actually, what you're doing is more harmful than good by creating these safe spaces because unfortunately the world is chaotic. The world is pure chaos and people do not care on the whole if you're having a bad day or not. People and people that are close to you, of course they care. You know, every no matter who you are in this world, if you have one person that you're in contact with, they will genuinely care if you're having a good day or not. The problem is, is when we create these safe spaces and things as well, what we're actually doing is secluding people from the ability to cope with the chaos of the real world because I see it all the time. The amount of conversations I see younger people having now when I used to be on the doors, oh yeah, I just really suffer from anxiety. You don't. What you've done is you've created this imaginary bubble through social media and these safe spaces where nobody offends anybody and you know you can portray who you want. And then as soon as you come out into the real world and you actually realise that nobody cares that much. And, and it's, it's a good thing as well. Like people, honestly, if you're if you failed or you've messed something up, people don't actually really care that much. You know, as long as you're making positive steps, that's all anybody's really going to be interested in. And half the time they're not even interested in that because they've got more than enough shit going on in their own head that they've got to try and deal with. Um that you know that your your overinflated fear of judgment and it is overinflated and I don't mean to say that you don't feel the way you feel but from a therapeutic point of view it is an irrational overinflated feeling you've got to immerse yourself in it and you have to realize after a while that actually it's okay to have all of these feelings because it's just part of being Human and social media is the worst for it because you put all of these cool, you know, pictures out and the amount of memes that are telling you that you're all anxious and suffering from anxiety and depression is just bullshit. It's like half of you aren't, but you read enough numbing, painful shit and of course you're going to feel that way. And yeah, I think everyone needs to sort of take a second back and go, you know what, if somebody doesn't like my pictures today, it doesn't mean that nobody in the world likes me. Half of the people that like your pictures you've never met in your first place anyway. So it doesn't matter if they like you or not. It's a really uh, interesting comment I made once um, to somebody I used to work with. He told me he just gained a thousand followers on Instagram. And the only question I asked him was, how many of those people are paying you? He was a trainer. And he went, oh yeah, I suppose so. I said, all you've gained is a thousand people that you have to pander to now to try and get likes from. The fact that a thousand people follow you means that they don't know much about you, only what you tell them, so you could be telling the most amount of bullshit in the world, and they like your pictures. So if all of a sudden you stop posting pictures, or you post a picture that nobody likes, well, what does that mean then? Does it mean that those thousand people now don't like you? Probably not. They probably never even liked you in the first place. In the nicest possible way, you're just a blip on a radar that pops up on a newsfeed. And we need to move away from all of that. It's, it's hard 
but I think it's necessary. And this is the biggest lesson I had to teach my, my eldest daughter because oh, I love the bones of her. She's such an amazing little human being. She is kind and caring. You know, she has the usual faults of any seven-year-old. You know, she drives me and her mum mad, but she's a genuinely good person. She hates to see people upset. She can't understand why the world doesn't just get on and be happy and, you know, peace and love and all that. But sometimes she comes across people that don't like her and she doesn't she doesn't kind of understand that. She keeps trying to make friends. And the biggest thing I've had to explain to her is that sometimes people won't like you and that it's okay. And I don't think we're teaching people that anymore. We're in this really weird situation where everyone's almost forced to like one another and be forced to be nice. People aren't nice. People are assholes a lot of the time. And we, it, it's okay because otherwise you're censoring people. There's no such thing as like equality of outcome ever. Everybody is different. Everybody has to be different because if everybody had to be equal, nobody would be different and then you'd actually have to punish people if they were different. And that's no good. We've all seen what happens when that goes along in history and it never has a great outcome. It's, it, it's, not, it, it's, it's an all new territory for everybody. And it's funny because the way I parent my children is probably a slightly more traditional way. And maybe some people think it's harsh, but for me, it's it's real. Children will mould the future because they have to, because they are the next generation. They're going to be around long after I'm gone. But I think it's still our obligation as parents, or even as just people that are you know around younger people, or even adults, to turn around and show them that you know the only way progress is made is if you just buckle up and get it done. Not necessarily to, um, you know, pander it down and oversensitize everybody so that everyone becomes numb and neutral and stuff because it's just not human nature. We can't help ourselves, but you know, shred things up and fuck things up and you know, just you know, if you had everything in the world, you'd still set fire to something to watch it burn just because it's different. We can't help it. You see it all the time. You know, billionaires that all of a sudden go off the rails because they've just had enough or, or people that, you know, have finally had enough of being good and kind and like have a breakdown and then become the worst person you've ever met because it's just after a while you're, you just want to see what happens if you stop. So, yeah, I mean, on from the original topic, gone off on a bit of a tangent there, but yeah, you have to kind of ask yourself and ask somebody else, so did you just feel nervous or was it really anxiety? Because if you can tell somebody that they just felt nervous and it was okay that they felt nervous and did they use it to their advantage or not and kind of coach them through that way, it's a lot. It, that's basically the pretense of uh, cognitive behavioural therapy is to make people realise that some of their feelings, and not all, but some of their feelings are irrational or their feet, they're putting energy into wrong, to the wrong things. And I've done this on a video before um, where I've said to people, you know, like anything... If you feed it, it grows. If you starve it, it dies. And the same thing with anxiety, with depression, with past events that you're, you know, you're carrying along with you. All the time you're feeding it with your energy or um, you know, using it to blame behavior on, it's gonna stay where it is and gonna grow. If you can not forgive and forget because some things are unforgivable and unforgettable and it's you know part of who you are, but if you can actually, on that point, go, you know what, this has made me who I am and there are people that like me and the worst that can happen is 
I keep going the way I'm going and know that I can survive. You probably find that you you actually can talk yourself out and actually bring yourself out of an anxiety, you know, an anxiety wave or a slump or whatever you want to call it. Because once you realize that the worst case scenario isn't going to happen, and the only way you can kind of do that is by immersing yourself in it. And this isn't an easy process. I'm not, you know, just turning around and saying, you know, the whole, like, you know, people say to people with depression, oh, just cheer up. It's not that easy. But by finding help and actually surrounding yourself through people that want to help and support you rather than, you know, amplify these neuroses that you have, you will find a way to get out of it. It's it, That's where the whole point of CBT came in from and, you know, speech therapy and actually actively getting out there and doing stuff and being involved in these situations and, you know, the whole throw caution to the wind and face your fears and stuff. There is wisdom in that because by facing it, you find out whether it was that bad or not. Now, obviously, certain things are clearly documented as dangerous, and I don't suggest you go and do that. But, you know, walking into a room full of people and saying hello probably isn't as bad as it's going to be. And if it is, it's okay, because you can take what you need from it and learn from it. And I think this is a problem as well. We're all scared to make mistakes now. None of us want to actually put ourselves in the way of kind of criticism because we're worried that people aren't going to like us and you know what as I've said before not everybody's going to like you you can't please everybody but as long as you're making positive steps and you're learning from every encounter you will eventually get to the point where you can surround yourself with people that are going to make you better and if you're not maybe that's the first step if you're if you're around people that want to feed your anxiety uh you know feed your nerves feed your depression by keeping you in a low state and every time you come up they try and bring you back down because they're probably in the same boat you do need to distance yourself from them because you can't heal when you're in the wrong environment. You know, plants don't grow in environments that aren't suited for them and neither do people. People don't grow in negative environments because the negativity around you keeps you where you are. It's kind of like small town mentality, you know, when you see people that never left their town and nothing ever changes and then eventually, you know, people turn to drink. You see it a lot out in America, you know, there's these... um, uh, There's a lot of uh, Midwest towns that have turned to drink and drugs because, you know, nothing changes. And after a while, you know, there's no reward in that anymore. And it's tough. So if you're finding yourself in a situation where you are driven to these kind of detrimental behaviours, maybe it is because you need to get out of your environment, you know, get up and move town. And I know that's definitely not easy if you suffer from anxiety and depression. But, you know, maybe use social media, use this marvellous thing called the internet to find people that are looking to encourage and help you and family members that will encourage and help you and remove yourself from the situation. And from there, you can grow. A prime example, um, you know, not to uh, give advice without having taken it myself, I suppose. When I was, I was bullied all the way through school, for one reason or another, And I had the option at 16, when I chose which college I wanted to go to, to go to the one that was the main like catchment college for my school or strike out on my own and go to the next city. And I'd had enough of this environment and the persona that people had given me and that I wasn't really willing to fight because there wasn't much I could do about it and I'd given up and I moved away and everybody said from that point on I became a different person because you can be who you want to be, who you know you are. 
You know, the society that you grew up in up to a certain point does shape you very much. And it will cause you potentially to act up to the, you know, the, the person that society has made you, especially that small group. If you move away, you can be whoever you wish to be. And most of the time, people do want to be a more positive version of themselves, more assertive, maybe more successful, um, less of the negative traits that were kind of thrust upon them by their peers in school which is basically just a giant free-for-all for dominance. This, you know, school's fucking horrible. Um, in the case of, you know, if you're not top of the pie, you'll get eaten alive because basically everyone's just vying to be, you know, alpha male, alpha female, and depending on, on the pecking order, depends on how much you survive it. But by moving away, you can become, you know, the, the, the hero of your own story. And I hate that saying because it's so cliche, but it's really true. Like, if your story's being written for you at home, you know what, you probably can't change it, but if you move away and start acting how you think you wanna behave, and you know, it's not fake it till you make it, because that's not right. Everybody knows who they are inside, and if they don't, go somewhere you can actually explore it, because then you actually find out whether you are the sort of person, and if you are the person that everybody thinks you are, you can own it, and you can kind of make it your own, in which point it becomes your decision to be that person, and not, you know, peers and society's version. And as I say, I went, I moved to a different town. I only knew one other person from my school who happened to be my friend, which was lucky. But I left it all behind and I became a new person. All of a sudden I started getting girlfriends. I started, you know, I met some amazing people that are now my friends to this time. I kept my core group of friends from school. But, you know, these, these people that I met at 16 that I sort of showed who I wanted to be, helped me develop who they, who I am and where I am now. And this is the one thing I try and get all of my clients to, to realize as well, is that, you know, if people are trying to hold you back, you've got to let go of them because that what they're doing is they're not trying to hold you back. What they're trying to do is keep their status the same because they know where they sit with you. And if you're changing, and the gym's a big one for this, it does cause a lot of issues with people sometimes. You know, you become a more confident person. They don't know where they sit with you anymore. You know, if they're the, um, the, the authority or the one that you always go to, and then all of a sudden you don't need them anymore, they don't really know how to react. And what they'll do is they'll try and bring you back to the status quo that they know so they can stay in their status level, which then causes the friction. So sometimes it is worth, you know, taking a, just a second to look at it and go, you know what, actually you aren't any good for me because you're not allowing me to grow in something that's proving positive for me because I feel better, I get more done, I'm more productive, people are more responsive to me because you want to keep your position in your world Sometimes it's got to go, and it may be in work, it may be in relationships, it might be, you know, with family, and sometimes you do just have to cut ties and realise, you know what, for me to grow, and for me to be a better version of myself, or be the person that I know I really want to be, if you don't want me to be that person, and I mean, obviously this isn't like you're going to go become a mass murderer, because hopefully people would see that and tell you that's probably not the way to go, but... Yeah, it, there, sometimes you do have to take that leap and maybe if that's the, only the one scary thing you ever do, it might be the best thing you've ever done because then you won't become anxious anymore because one, you did the biggest leap and you moved away. There aren't people that are constantly telling you that you have anxiety. There are people that want to encourage you and build you up and that's how we sort of help mental illness is by showing encouragement and support, not by stigma and 
you know, isolation, take the leap of faith. You know, prove to yourself who you want to be and, you know, you can be who you want to be at any point. I mean, Grant, if you want to be a serial killer, you can be. It's not the best idea in the world and I would never encourage anyone to do it, but, you know, that is what it is. But if you want to be more, if you want to be a confident person, but everyone around you telling you that you're not that person, go and be confident somewhere else in front of people that don't know you because they're only going to know what you, what you project of yourself. And, you know, it's not a lie because if that's who you want to be, you will become it because you are, you know, you're in charge of your environment now because you moved away from the one that was kind of you were put into and you can be who you want to be. So, you know, to wrap up after that lengthy, weird conversation as I rattled off thoughts, take a look at your environment. Is it allowing you to be the person that you, you know, you kind of want to be or think you can be or is it trying to keep you exactly the same and telling you that you have all these issues? Because if it is, maybe it's time to get out of it get out of dodge it is what it is you know so take care everyone if you want to talk about any more of this then obviously grab hold of me we can have a chat and i'll try and start throwing out a few more podcasts uh regularly and yeah it's good to be back on the board and trying to help people so take care everybody love you all and i'll see you soon